Merry Christmas. How beautiful is the body of Christ, the body that was slain for us. And how beautiful is the body of Christ that is the redeemed, born again believers in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I am glad to see you here and glad that you took this Christmas day to come celebrate, celebrate with us the greatest gift that has ever been given. We today will be doing two things in celebration. We'll be having our candlelight with this first portion of the service. And we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper in the second part. Now, why, why, why do we do this? Well, number one, we celebrate the birth. The promised Savior that would come into this earth. But we also celebrate that this Savior that came down willfully gave his life up willfully that we may live. And we celebrate the life, we celebrate the death, and we celebrate Jesus, period, for he is worthy to be praised. This morning I would like to talk to you a little bit about a man who looked forward to something. Now I don't know how many people have ever been involved with somebody who is, <coughs> excuse me, that is on their last breath and, and they're dying and it seems like they hold on and hold on and hold on to somebody that they love is there. You, you know what I'm talking about. It's like they can't release and, and, and go away until they've either said their final goodbyes or somebody comes and they feel at peace to leave. And, and all of you know what I'm talking about to a certain extent. But I want to share with you there was a man like that that what I like to call the rest of the Christmas story that a lot of people don't preach on. And if you've known me long enough that I, I, will, I will attack every part of the body or the, uh, the body of the Bible to, and what I mean attack is I'm going, I'm going full force in it and I'm going to proclaim it all because I believe everything is the word of God. But what I will tell you about a man who hung on because of the hope that was coming. And when he saw the hope, he was able to depart in peace. And he's a man by the name of Simeon. Now take into consideration that after the shepherds had left, there's a transition in a period of time before Mary could go into the temple and present herself as, as a sacrifice, if you will. Now what happens is, 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 is Hebrew boys were to be circumcised on the eighth day. Okay? And on the eighth day, they would be circumcised. But also, when a woman was, had given birth to a child, if it was a male child, she had to wait 40 days before she could go into the temple. If it was a female child, she had to wait 80 days. This is part of Levitical law. Now, as she would go into the temple, if you were wealthy, you or had a little bit of money, the, the, the sin offering that you were to give because you were a human being was a lamb. But if you were poor, you could give turtle doves or pigeons. And the Bible tells us that after the shepherds had left, Mary and Joseph go into the temple to present their child uh, to the priest and present him, but also to make, uh, make herself clean, ceremonial clean, by offering a sacrifice. Now there's several things that I want you to look, and this is very important until I get into the text in just a few minutes was this, Jesus Christ was born under the law that he may fulfill the law. You see, his parents were devout, and he had to go in, and, 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 and his, as his parents would present him under the law, he would fulfill the law. And this is so beautiful to me, because I want you to understand this if you don't understand anything else. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. 
You have to understand that. You have to believe that. Because he could not have come from the seed of the man because that seed of the man would have been sinful. Man is sinful. He could not be conceived by Joseph. He could only be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Period. Because he was fully God, yet fully man. Fully God in the sense that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He left his dominion, if you will, in heaven to be born as a man. But he was fully God because he is conceived of the Holy Spirit. No virgin birth, no salvation. We live in a time where people deny the virgin birth. Well, I can tell you this. If you deny the virgin birth, you deny Christ. Jesus was born of a virgin. So his parents go to uh, present him after he had been uh, circumcised and to make herself ceremonial clean and to offer up sacrifice. Well, as they go into the temple, they run into a man by the name of Simeon. And I know your bulletin starts with 26. I'm going to read for you verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed by him, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, did you hear that? He was born under the law, that he would fulfill the law. His parents kept the law, that Jesus would fulfill the law. That is very important. And as he is brought into the temple, then he took him in his arms and said, Bless, and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all people. Listen, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." I love this story because what you see here in this, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, is a transition from the Old Testament prophets to the New Testament Christ. They looked forward to the coming of the consolation of Israel. And Simeon is that link, if you will, because he believed by the Spirit of God that hope was coming, that the Scriptures had written as many times as I tell you, the Old Testament matters. For these people believed that there was one coming, as John would say, whose sandals he was not worthy to tie. A sinless man. And Simeon has been looking for this. And the Bible says that he was, he was righteous and just, which he was righteous in his relation with God. He was just with how he treated others. Sound familiar? But he looked for the consolation of Israel. And he transitioned from hope longed for to faith realized. This is what I want you to understand this morning. Just as Simeon looked for the coming of Christ, we look at his second coming and also look back at his death. Why? 
Because when we look back at the cross, we see the price paid on Calvary for mine and your sins. And as born-again believers, we anticipate His coming again. Amen? But also, look at this. The amazing thing about this scripture is when we see what Simeon, he is so excited about this, he lifts up this praise and says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant, Dulah, slave, to depart in peace. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's no greater peace than when you leave this earth, you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, my friends, this morning, that as we were praying this morning during our breakfast, we said that they are those here today that they're spending their first Christmas without their loved ones. Some of you are sitting here in this room. You may have lost your husband or your wife. You may have lost a loved one, a child. Or maybe you lost a loved one a while back and you still have those memories. Let me tell you this. There is no greater peace than knowing your loved one. If they're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, they're in a place where seasons don't end and eternity's forever. And there's no greater place to be in than in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate. He said, you may depart in peace. You know what? There's nothing else for me to see, for I've seen the glory of God, and I'm ready to go. But look what else he says. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation according to your word. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, listen to me. The word of God is real. It is true. God is faithful in his promises. And just as Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit to believe that the coming consolation was on his way, and he's seen that hope realized, we have a hope realized too that because of the blood paid on, paid for by, on Calvary by Christ, let me tell you something. It's not a fiction, but it's a fact that our Jesus Christ one day is coming back. If he doesn't come back, we'll leave this earth, but I can promise you this. The fact of is he says, whosoever shall call upon my name shall be saved. What a greater peace to have. And Simeon saw that. But listen. This is the part I want you to understand too. He said, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. Luke makes very strong detail of this. Luke, which was a Gentile physician, who would write the book of Luke and the book of Acts to show the work person of Christ and the work and the, and, and the actions of his apostles. Because what happened was this light that had been given and had struck fire in the hearts of man was to be passed on by man to other people. The gospel must be carried on. And that is why we're here celebrating. And that's why we're going to have a candlelight in just a few moments. Because I want you to understand, if you have the light of Christ within you, understand that a light that's on the city of a hill cannot be hid. It must shine for all to see. And if Christ is in us... We want the world to see this. And if Christ is in us, we want the whole world to know who we have that gives us great light. Amen? And he said to the glory of your people Israel, not only the Jews, but the Gentiles have the same Savior. And we praise God for that. And the Bible says in verse 33, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is appointed to the fall and rise of many in Israel, and a sign to be opposed, and a sword will even pierce your own soul. 
Let me explain this to you. He is appointed for the rise and fall of many. Let me give you a couple of examples. It's amazing to me that Peter and Judas were both apostles. Peter repented. Judas didn't. Jesus found many disciples. And the Bible tells me in the book of John, but many left him. Some follow, some will leave. Some will rise, some will fall. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus is a light for all people. We will not know who will always come or who will always go. But the fact of the matter remains that Jesus is a light for all people and we are obliged to share that light with all. And the Bible says, and a sword will pierce your own heart too. I cannot imagine being the mother of a child and knowing that the same woman that went to present her child for offering of sacri or sacrifice, her purification. Let me back up and tell you a little side story. You see, the Bible also says in Leviticus that when you go to have a firstborn child that is born, that leaves the womb, he is to be redeemed for five shekels or a hundred grams of silver. All firstborn males. Now they were born under the law, so they had to fulfill the law. But let me tell you something. Isn't it amazing that he who knew no sin, who they would go to redeem, would soon redeem them. Think about that. That the firstborn of all men, according to Levitical law, had to be purchased. But Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, purchased redemption for you. He who knew no sin became sin that we might live. And brothers and sisters, let me give you this assurance on Christmas Day. As we leave here today, we will celebrate with family and as such we should. And as we get what we get as gifts, or maybe some people be disappointed, some people be grateful, but as I've said many times before, that gift that you hold will one day get old. What you have will someday wear out. But I can promise you the light that God has struck in your heart through the blood of Jesus Christ, if you are a born-again believer, is one that can never be extinguished, no termite to destroy, nor any flood can destroy its foundation because it is a light set on fire by the very power of God. And it's eternal. And we must press on. And he says, and the Bible says, to the end that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Is Christ the light of your life? You say, I know Jesus. Does Jesus know you? You see, let me assure you that regardless of where you've been or where you think you may be going, there's no place that you can go and be too far from Christ. For the same Christ that saved my souls, if you are not His, can save yours. And that light that we have is a light again that shines for eternity. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the birth of that light. And we celebrate that we give life and light to others. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. God, I pray that You would just... Give us the urgency to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would just have us focus continually on you, that we rest today and celebrate the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for all these people that have come. 
And God, I pray today that, Lord, you would use each one of us for your glory, for you are worthy of all praise. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. If I could call the deacons down front, they're going to light the candles, and here's what I want to do. I'm going to call you down by your birthday. And the men will be strategically placed in, in these areas. I ask that you divide up and, and come down as I call your birthday. Go to e either one of these men, and they'll be glad to light your candle. Okay? If you were born in the month of January, would you come forward, please? If you were born in the month of February, would you come forward, please? March, you may come forward as well. April, you may come forward. May, you may come forward. June. If you were born in June, would you come forward, please? July. August. September. And November. I'm sorry, October. October, I'm sorry. <laughs> September and October. Nice embarrassment on television. <laughs> October, November, and December, if you would come forward, please.
Now, I ask if you please would stand with me. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. It was the first consensus taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same regions, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find the baby wrapped in clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Brothers and sisters, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, I would also like to go back with you to the book of Matthew as Jesus would stand in his adult years and he would say to this, say to them this on the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. But the salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, as we stand here today on this Christmas morning, I pray that the light of Christ is in you. And I pray that since this light of Christ was in you, that you become the light of the world. Let me assure you, brothers and sisters, in this land we live in darkness, but I want you to look around you. God has given light to each of us who have placed their faith and trust in Him. And I can promise you, no matter what darkness comes upon this earth, there's no darkness greater than the light of Jesus Christ. I pray today that you celebrate Him. Celebrate His birth. Celebrate His resurrection. And celebrate your life being born again in Him. If you have not been born again in Christ, I pray that you talk to one of us. We'd love to talk to you because I can tell you this. Just like Simeon, you can know, you may not know when you leave this world, but I can promise you, you can know how you leave it. And you can depart in peace. If today be your great getting up morning, knowing that you have been reconciled to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ, may the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the light before us. We thank you for your son Jesus who came to this earth and paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. God, we pray that you convict those who may not have a relationship with you, that they would know that there's no greater peace that's found in you. Lord, eternity is a long time. 
And Lord, only those who have placed their faith and trust in you will spend eternity with you. Lord, you are worthy of all praise. Lord, I pray that we have an urgency to share the light that we have been given, that others may know truth. We love you and praise your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated and you can extinguish your candles. We will now transition into the Lord's Supper as we'll celebrate not only the life, but the death of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. As we go through Scripture this morning and the Lord's Supper and partaking of the elements, there's three things I want us to be mindful of. You be mindful of the past, be mindful of what is to come, and be mindful of our own hearts. And I ask that everybody stand with me as we read from 1 Corinthians beginning in chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. Whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment onto himself. This, this is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. You may be seated. So again, three things I want to pull out of the scripture this morning. We, we should be mindful of the past. Looking back in verse 23, Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broken, and said, This is the body, or this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, we have here the communion elements, the bread, the cup, but two times we see, do this in remembrance of me. Beginning again in verse 24 and 25. So what we're reminded of is, or what has happened is that Jesus died for us on the cross. This is what we're remembering this morning. It may be a little bit strange to remember someone's death. Often we look to remembering their life, but this is just not any death. It was God in the flesh. It was Jesus Christ. Not just that he died, but how he died and why he died. Taking on upon the full wrath of the Father, due upon us to himself. When we are remembering the Lord, we are remembering why he died. In 1 Peter 24, we are reminded, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See, what Peter is saying in this passage is that we have been restored. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. So when we say remember his death, 
remembering why he died. It's just not like looking back on a date in history. When we look back on what Jesus died and did for us on the cross, we have this wonderful blessing and ever-present relationship with the living God, intimate, personal, and everlasting. The second thing Paul tells us in this letter to Corinthians is be mindful of what is to come. We think of the past and we think of what Jesus has done, and now we look forward to the future. Verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's an ongoing thing that we continue to look towards the future. The elements of the Lord's Supper are something we maintain as remembrance until the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we are doing here is proclaiming the Lord's death, what He's done for us, that He is the only way that we can be saved. It's a proclamation that looks towards the future, the one that who died for us, He is going to return. He will come back for His church, and He will pass judgment upon this world. Jesus said, as recorded in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am a truth. He didn't say, I am a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if that wasn't enough for us, what else did he say? Nobody comes to the Father except through me. This is what we're proclaiming. This is what we're looking towards. It's Jesus' second coming. And thirdly, we should be mindful of our own hearts, and this is particularly important in pertaining to the Lord's Supper. Beginning in verse 27, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. Whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. See, what Paul is not saying here that we're to take this in a, uh, or be worthy to take this, we can't. But we're to partake of the elements in a worthy manner. So what does this mean exactly? We're to examine our hearts. Verse 28, let a person examine himself. What this means is to be honest with ourselves, and more importantly, be honest with God. Is there something in our lives or something we're holding against another brother or sister in the body of Christ, a sin we're clinging on to and not letting go of. It's time to lay these before the Lord, you know, and, and don't take of the elements in the Lord's Supper withholding those feelings or the sin in your heart. This is a celebration of Jesus' victory over sin. And if we're not right with the Lord in partaking of these elements, you know, in remembrance of Him and what He did, we're basically trampling on the very reason why he came and why he died for us. Again, we are told to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, and this can be a hard thing to do. You know, we're, we're pretty easy on ourselves most of the time. Very quick to point out that splinter in other people's eyes before, you know, taking that log out of our own. We often try to justify our feelings towards others. So examine your hearts. Is there anything in your life out of order, that you need to get right in regard to God's word. We all long for that blessing of the Lord on our lives, so why should we steal it with disobedience to his word? Sometimes we don't examine our hearts thoroughly, or as thoroughly as we should, but in humble obedience, we should ask for the Holy Spirit to examine us. We may not always be aware of those sins or those shortcomings, 
or those things that are out of order. But David prayed one of the most beautiful prayers in Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me. It lead me in the way everlasting. This is a prayer of such honesty, humility, and openness. It says to the Lord we need His holiness to examine our hearts and that we can't do it on our own. God reveals sin in our lives not so that we can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do better next time, Lord. What He's looking for is an attitude that when we bring this sin to Him, we lay this sin at His feet, knowing what Jesus did for us on the cross and ask for His blessings, His power to walk in victory, not our own. Only through His Spirit can we walk in holiness. And we must come before Him with an open and honest heart so that we may partake of the elements in a worthy manner. So again, three things to be mindful of this morning. Be mindful of the past, remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Be mindful of what is to come, and that is the return of our Lord and Savior. And thirdly, we should be mindful of our own hearts, ready and willing to examine them at any time. We are celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. We are celebrating forgiveness. And how can we hold unforgiveness towards someone else or onto a sin in our lives and not confess it? We're celebrating a selfless act. We can't celebrate it by being selfish. It has been spoken in these walls before. At the reflection of our lives, we see the goodness of the Lord. This should bring us all to the understanding of how undeserving we are. We are going to celebrate in a few moments the sacrifice of Jesus Christ through the Lord's Supper. Through Him we find our worth, and that's something to celebrate. This is time for remembrance and reflection. This is a time to praise the holy name of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward, um, and we're going to do a few minutes of personal prayer time. And, and, and I, I can't stress this, but the Lord's Supper is for born-again believers only. If you are a born-again believer and you're struggling in some area in your life, this is a time to make it right. Um, this is a time when we can completely submit to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So every head bowed, personal time, and when you're ready and you've, your, your hearts come forward, take an element from one of the deacons and please return to your seats.
We'll give it just a few more moments. The word says, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you for the body that was broken on the cross. Lord, thank you for your many blessings. Amen. Take the bread. And again, when he had given thanks, broke it. And this is my body, which is for you. Do this remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after the supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross. Lord, and such a merciless act upon you, showing mercy to everybody else. Amen. The Bible tells us that once they finish this feast, they, excuse me, just got juice on me. <laughs> they sang, so I'm going to ask the band to come on the stage and close us out in worship with Silent Night. I'm going to ask everybody stand and sing together as we close service. Thank you and Merry Christmas. <laughs>